If you know Starkfield, Massachusetts, you know the post office. If you know the post office, you must have seen Ethan Frome drive up to it, drop the reins on his hollow-backed bay, and drag himself across the brick pavement to the white colonnade. And you must have asked who he was. It was there that, several years ago, I saw him for the first time, and the sight pulled me up sharp. Even then he was the most striking figure in Starkfield, though he was but the ruin of a man. It was not so much his great height that marked him, for the natives were easily singled out by their lank longitude from the stockier foreign breed. It was the careless, powerful look he had, in spite of a lameness checking each step like the jerk of a chain. There was something bleak and unapproachable in his face, and he was so stiffened and grizzled that I took him for an old man, and was surprised to hear that he was not more than fifty-two. I had this from Harmon Gow, who had driven the stage from Bettsbridge to Starkfield in pre-trolley days, and knew the chronicle of all the families on his line. "'He's looked that way ever since he had his smash-up. And that's twenty-four years ago, come next February,' Harmon threw out between reminiscent pauses. The smash-up it was, I gathered from the same informant, which, besides drawing the red gash across Ethan Frome's forehead— had so shortened and warped his right side that it cost him a visible effort to take the few steps from his buggy to the post-office window. He used to drive in from his farm every day at about noon, and as that was my own hour for fetching my mail, I often passed him in the porch, or stood beside him while we waited on the motions of the distributing hand behind the grating. I noticed that, though he came so punctually, he seldom received anything but a copy of the Bettsbridge Eagle, which he put without a glance into his sagging pocket. At intervals, however, the postmaster would hand him an envelope addressed to Mrs. Zenobia, or Mrs. Zena, Frome, and usually bearing conspicuously in the upper left-hand corner the address of some manufacturer of patent medicine and the name of his specific. These documents my neighbor would also pocket without a glance, as if too much used to them to wonder at their number and variety, and would then turn away with a silent nod to the postmaster. Everyone in Starkfield knew him, and gave him a greeting tempered to his own grave mien, but his taciturnity was respected, and it was only on rare occasions that one of the older men of the place detained him for a word. When this happened, he would listen quietly, his blue eyes on the speaker's face, and answer in so low a tone that his words never reached me. Then he would climb stiffly into his buggy, gather up the reins in his left hand, and drive slowly away in the direction of his farm. "'It was a pretty bad smash-up,' I questioned Harmon, looking after Frome's retreating figure, and thinking how gallantly his lean brown head, with its shock of light hair, must have sat on his strong shoulders before they were bent out of shape. "'Worst kind,' my informant dissented. "'More'n enough to kill most men. But the Fromes are tough. Ethan'll likely touch a hundred. "'Good God!' I exclaimed. At the moment, Ethan Frome, after climbing to his seat, had leaned over to assure himself of the security of a wooden box, also with a druggist's label on it, which he had placed in the back of the buggy, and I saw his face as it probably looked when he thought himself alone. "'That man touch a hundred? He looks as if he was dead and in hell now.' Harmon drew a slab of tobacco from his pocket, cut off a wedge, and pressed it into the leather pouch of his cheek. "'Guess he's been in Starkfield too many winters. Most of the smart ones get away.' "'Why didn't he?' "'Somebody had to stay and care for the folks. There wa not ever anybody but Ethan. 
First his father, then his mother, then his wife. And then the smash up? Harmon chuckled sardonically. That's so. He had to stay then. I see. And since then they've had to care for him. Harmon thoughtfully passed his tobacco to the other cheek. Oh, as to that, I guess it's always Ethan done the caring. Though Harmon Gow developed the tale as far as his mental and moral reach permitted, there were perceptible gaps between his facts, and I had the sense that the deeper meaning of the story was in the gaps. But one phrase stuck in my memory and served as the nucleus about which I grouped my subsequent inferences. Guess he's been in Starkfield too many winters. Before my own time there was up, I had learned to know what that meant. Yet I had come in the degenerate day of trolley, bicycle, and rural delivery, when communication was easy between the scattered mountains.